he was dismissing the crowd. And after he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, uh, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God, the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Um, this has been an amazing story. My whole life I have struggled with the issues around this story, around the nature of what took place in this miracle moment. Um, as a young boy, I questioned how could Jesus walk on water? Because water um, is not a very strong substance, an element. We're heavier than water, therefore we sink. So apparently he had walked on water before because he sent him on ahead. He had to have a way back, and to him, it was his highway. He is Christ. He is God incarnate. So to him, it's not a big deal, but to us, it is. But let's look at the details of the scripture and try to unfold it for where we are in our current day. Immediately, he made the disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. God is making us do something here. There's no doubt. We're defiant. We're strong-minded. Um, we're hard-headed. We don't tend to listen. You can look at our culture right now for what it's doing. 250,000 gathered in Spurgeon <laughs> with Harleys, and that is cool. I get that cool. But then being there without this is not cool. Not that this is a rule, even though in some places it is. In Durham, actually, they have an app. You can turn in your neighbor for not wearing the mask. They're implementing all kinds of things. In fact, Hannah has to sign a covenant to even go back on the Duke campus at seminary because it is required. Yet we have people who, for some reason, think that these rules do not apply, yet it is for our own good. We live in such a world. And, and why is God making it such that we are having to follow these new rules. This disease is the smallest of things, yet it has changed the biggest of things. The entire world is being shaped by it. Generations will be shaped by it yet to come. I mean, I don't know. I mean, young people, I don't know how they're going to get, you know, able to meet one another and get married. I mean... <laughs> I, I mean, things have changed. Uh, these two, you could hang out with your friends and meet someone. And now it's a whole different world, but we find a way. 
So Jesus immediately made his disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side. Why? Because he needed them over there. He had things for them to do as he continued his brief three-year earthly ministry. And so he's going, and now he dismisses the crowd, and he goes up on the mountain, and he prays his source of communication with his Father in heaven. They took care of business. And the business they're taking care of, it's not just our souls. Understand, our souls are a major part. God loves us, and that's why he's made this world to be a place of redemption. But Jesus is even about other things more than our souls. Our task here at church isn't just our souls, but our souls are so important. There's a bigger battle going on. And we know that by the next part of this scripture. When evening came, uh, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way off from the land, beaten by the waves for the wind was against it. And the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. In other words, a storm had come up, a storm beyond their control. Now, if you've ever been around ocean people and like Wicketuna, like I was on the Outer Banks or as a young boy, I was going to be a cabin boy on the Blue Marlin. My friend, R.C., his father owned this, fish, this fishing vessel in Moorhead City, and it was uh, set up. I was going to work as a cabin boy. Uh, and that, one, to me, was an epic adventure. I couldn't wait to be a cabin boy on, on this, uh, just this marlin boat in Moorhead City. But Daddy went up and moved that uh, summer, and I didn't get to be a cabin boy. One of the great disappointments of my life. But when you're in a boat, you know, that's, well, that stands for bring another $1,000, because boats cost a lot of money. When I moved to the Outer Banks, I asked one of the members, I said, should I get a boat? And they said, no. If you're going to get something, get a motorcycle. So I did. Um, but when you're on water, only a thin veneer of wood or fiberglass or whatever the compound is separates you from the water. A very thin veneer. And you can imagine those disciples. And by the way, this was probably one of Peter's boats. Because Peter owned a just a fleet of fishing vessels. He was a fisherman. He had, he had a big operation. So here's Peter in one of his boats, and the storm's there, and Jesus, they thought, was on the land, and only a little bit is separating them from the storm, and understand that is a big ocean. It's an inland sea, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, if you go to Lake Genalaska, it's based the way it's uh, actually a proportion, the size of the sea, about the same shape, uh, and it's very deep. Uh, and it's very dangerous, and storms come out of nowhere, and many people have lost their lives throughout the ages, especially with boats and their technology of that day. So Peter knew he was in danger, and the disciples knew it, and they're huddled in the boat knowing they couldn't row against it. They couldn't sail with it. They had to basically hunker down and survive the storm that was blasting them that day, and they wondered why Jesus had left them. Why did he send us to put us into this situation? Then suddenly Jesus decides, well, it's time for me to go. So he walks off the mountain, and he just starts walking on water. I don't understand how he could walk on water. I guess he's the God of water. He can do things, you know. He could fly. He ascended back into heaven. He raised from the dead. He had power over life and death. He, he healed the blind. He healed the lame. I mean, he's, he's God, and we're not. So here he is, come walking on water. But he's not just walking on water, he's walking in a storm on water. And that's the bigger battle. That's the battle we don't see. 
That's the Christ who come not just to redeem our souls, but to make a new heaven and a new earth. For he's fighting powers and principalities. He's fighting angels that have fallen, Lucifer and his legion of devils. He's fighting things we cannot even imagine. In the scripture, he's fighting the elements and he comes walking. And it looks like in the scripture, he's starting to walk on by the boat. <laughs> Jesus, do not pass me by. He's walking and the disciples see him and they become terrified because not only is the storm about to kill them, but there's ghosts. And I don't know about you, but I don't mess with no ghosts. I'm superstitious. Yes, sir. I once had a lady at a church. She called me and she said, Preacher, you got to come over to my house. And I said, What's going on? She said, You got to come. It's, it's really bad. And I said, What is it? She said, My cabinet doors are opening and closing on their own in my kitchen. And I said, they are. And she said, yes, they are. And you got to come and you got to run this devil out of my house. I said, I love you in the name of Jesus, but I'm sorry I'm not going because I don't mess with God. People crazy. And ghosts are crazier. You know that scene in the movie where the ghost says, get out the house? I'm not like the people in the movie who stay around in there. And, well, there's nothing to it, nothing to it. It's just the wind. I'm getting out the house. If a ghost tells me to get out, I'm gone. Hello, goodbye, I'm out of here. Don't mess with no ghost and don't invoke this world into your life because it'll mess you up. That's just my little word of warning from a superstitious preacher. I used to play with a dollar bill in my clique. I was so superstitious. And South Johnson beat us and stole my dollar. They did so here they are, and they're scared. The storm's about to kill them, and here comes a ghost walking on, <laughs> on the water. And they say, oh, my Lord, here's a ghost. What are we going to do? They are scared. And that little boat of Peter's isn't doing them much good. And Jesus, he sees them. He hears them cry out. He's walking on the sea, and the disciples saw him walking on the water, and they were terrified. Here's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke and he said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. In other words, Christ makes his presence known in our lives. Now, now how do we translate this ancient story into where we are? We're in a storm, aren't we? We were in a storm, sort of. My brother was in the eye of the storm this past Monday. The storm I can't pronounce the name of. Starts with an eye. Tell me you can pronounce it. I can't. I know Sam can. He speaks multiple languages over there. He always greets me in multiple languages Sunday after Sunday. But we're in a storm. We're in a storm that's unprecedented. We're in a storm that I had no idea when this year started we'd be where we are right now. And like the disciples, we're in the boat and we're huddled and we're afraid and our leadership's telling us to be cautious and to be safe. And I totally understand because I'm not able to do the things I need to do in the midst of a time that's so trying as this. What are we to do? I know if you go to town, you wouldn't know there's a pandemic, but all you got to do is look at the statistics in the hospitals and what's going on and there is a pandemic. And I know people have been, you know, defying the rules, have been gathering. I know, too, there's been hot spots and whole churches have, have called it up to 30 people I know of in their local area. 
So what do we do? Well, Jesus, he tells us to take heart that he's still Jesus. It hadn't changed. He's with us. Who can be against us? And then we do what Peter does. Peter's so caught up in that moment, he sees Christ with power over the elements, and he cries out, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he says, come. So this most amazing miracle happens. In the midst of extraordinary times, God gives us extraordinary abilities. And the ability here is that Peter did something Peter never dreamed he could do because he owned the boat. His whole business model would have had to change if he knew he could have walked on water. Who needs a boat when you can walk on water? I don't advise anyone to try to walk on water unless you know some way to do it because it doesn't work out very well. But in this case, it worked out great because Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and came to Jesus. Could you imagine that? The disciples watching the miracle of a storm that's blowing. The storm is still blowing, by the way. The storm is still engaged. The powers are still having their way. Yet Peter, in the midst of the storm, because he believes and loves Jesus, steps out of the boat, his place of comfort, and he steps into a world that's even more turbulent than the world he just left. See, the, see the 20th century church got so much inward focus, it lost focus of what the real battle is. We started complaining and arguing among ourselves thinking that somehow we're the end of all things and somehow everything we do matters most of all, losing sight of the greater battle that is going on. We sit on one of the thickest plates on the crust of earth. Earth is like an eggshell and it's cracked in different parts and the San Andreas Fault and other fault lines around the world are like cracks in this, in, in this mantle. And we're on the thickest part of that mantle yet at 8.17 this morning. A 5.6 earthquake, strongest since 1917, hits North Carolina. And before that, there was one in Moore County, and there were two more small ones near Union County, near Charlotte. And I asked Brad coming in, I said, what in the world is going on? He said, we started out the week with a hurricane, and we're ending the week <laughs> with earthquakes in the midst of a pandemic. And I think it was, it, it was Don. I think it was Donald. He said, uh, God's trying to tell us something here. And what's he trying to tell us? It's clear. He's trying to say that there's bigger battles going on than us and we can't think we can solve them because they're bigger than us. But guess what? Our God is bigger than the storms. Our God is bigger than the problems. I can, I can feel it, by the way. I can feel what I thought we were losing, that spirit. I can feel it right now. I can see it in you as the body of Christ. You're God-fearing people. You come here because you trust God. You depend on God. God has blessed you. God has blessed your families. You put your whole trust in him. This church is a vessel. It is a ship of the righteous. And we are strong, even in the midst of this storm. So Peter, he got out and he walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the winds, he was afraid and began to sink and cry out, Lord, save me. And that's the point right there of the whole sermon. Have you cried out yet? Save me. 
Have we as people cried out, save me? Save me, Lord. It's hard right now. Save me. Sometimes God will take away everything to have a sinner say such a thing. And then he restores it multifold over. Because really, all we need is God in our lives. And that's what the scripture is saying. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He began to sink and he cried out. And he said these words that Jesus wanted him to hear and wanted the disciples to see and witness in Peter. And Peter cries out, Lord, save me. And he didn't say that theologically. He didn't say that structurally. He didn't say that with polity. He didn't say that because it was politically correct. He didn't say that because it was the right thing to say. He said it because he was about to die. They interviewed one of these older guys, 66 years old, drove 600 miles on the back of a Harley to Surges. I read the article and he said, I've been quarantined for months and I figured if it was going to be the decision I was going to make it, if it kills me or not, and I'm muttering to myself, brother, it may just do that. And I know he's really bad and that's fine with me. I know he's got a nice Harley. I saw the picture of it. But I wonder... Is he saying, save me? Instead of saying what leads people to hell, it's my life and I'll live it like I want to, God. Because that leads, that leads people right straight to the bad place. Their defiance. Their hubris. Their self-determination. I don't know. Jesus, he immediately reached out his hand and he took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I'm here on the ocean. I'm walking in the midst of a storm. I'm the God of creation. I come to you. You walk on the water. What else do you need? Jesus is saying, He's saying the truth. Why are you not believing what you're seeing and what you know to be? We have, a, we have a large and a huge century ahead of us. A century when science will become even more dominant and technology will advance to levels we never can imagine. And we would start to think that somehow God is now the God of the gaps and God is less and our knowledge is more. But there's a lot of people who know a lot who aren't going to heaven. In fact, the only way we can go is to have the simple faith of a child. To step out on the water like Peter and dare to believe and to know all things are possible to those that love the Lord and work according to his purpose. And so Jesus says, you a little faith, why did you doubt? And when he got into the boat, see, he helped Peter back into the boat. He didn't just lift him out the water because Peter couldn't stand anymore on the water. Peter now was bound by his humanity his mortality, his fear. So Jesus helps them into the boat. And when they got into the boat, what happened? Jesus calmed the storm. The bigger problem, the bigger battle that is going on in the midst of such a troubled time. And the wind ceased, the scripture says, and those in the boat did what? They worshipped him. They worshipped Jesus. Because they saw the power of Jesus. 
not just truly man, but truly divine. They saw the God of creation, the God of redemption, and the God of sustaining love rolled up into one personification, the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. And those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. That was the very words uttered by the centurion at the cross. Dr. Archie Nations, my New Testament professor at seminary, he loved that story. He constantly went back to that story during lectures because it was a story that troubled his mind. Why would the centurion say, truly, this is the Son of God? Because he witnessed the with death on the cross, which he had witnessed many times before, was because he felt the earthquake that shook the city, which he had felt before, but not like that day when it shook the city. What made him utter that? Did he see something in the countenance of Jesus that made him think he was different, there's something going on. He was realizing what the truth is. Truly, you are the Son of God. And I need you every hour, most precious Lord. I need you every hour, most precious Lord. So here's where we are. I, I like doing it. You can ask my family. I always do this. Always, uh, always give one of those epic speeches. You ever seen the movies where, you know, the, well, the person rides in front of the army and he gives the speech, today we shall fight a battle for the future. You know, I always love to do this part. This is the part you send them out of the locker room onto the field. Our God has this. We don't have to worry about it. He's got it all figured out. He's already got the vaccine ready to go. It's just we hadn't got there yet, but we're closing in on it. And he's going to release this vaccine. And it's not going to be science that's going to save us. It's going to be our God who puts the knowledge in the minds of people that share how we overcome this. And he's going to help us fight this battle against something that's greater than we are, that's stronger than we are, that's terrifying, yet something that our God is greater. And he's going to help us through this. And here's where we're going to be sitting. And nothing encourages more a soldier than food. Yeah. It's going to happen. Brad, you can mark your calendar. It's coming. The day is coming in this church, I don't know when, I hope sooner rather than later. Our people who are gifted with talent beyond spoken words shall uh, come up with dishes including butter beans and biscuits. And there is going to be uh, fried chicken. And there may be a pork chop or two in the midst of this food. And there's going to be some of those fritter cakes that the up churches love to make because they're mm, good. And we're going to sit down in that building right over there. And I'm going to be sitting there and I'm going to commence to eat. I'm going to have two forks, one in each hand. And if you want to join me, you can, but there won't be any talking at that table. Because Danny Patterson and me are going to be sitting there and we're going to be eating and enjoying ourselves, aren't we, Danny? And there may even be a tear that will flow occasionally from an eye. And it won't just be the onion somebody slipped into one of the side dishes. Because we're going to know, boys, we just come through a storm. But here we are.
and the sun's going to be shining. And Spring Hill is going to be what has always been a vessel where the disciples are underway to the promised land. Come, won't you go with me? We are bound for the promised land. And we're going to reach that other side, but there's going to be occasion that our Lord is going to have to walk on water to help us through times that we can't make it. Times we can't carry the load. Our God is greater. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open our hearts that we may claim this promise, this vision, and may know that you are the God who can calm the storm. Lord, give us the strength we need and bless us and our families. In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray. Now may the love of God, the grace of his Son, our Savior Jesus the Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore, we pray. Amen. I will go and make the announcement. We will have a one call during the week, but next Sunday we will return to our drive-in church for next Sunday. We're taking it Sunday by Sunday. Uh, we're doing this uh, due to the conference suggestions and conversations that are going on. Uh, but we will be having an inside service again, safe worship. But just keep this in your prayer. And it will be at 11 o'clock. The drive-in service will be at 11 o'clock next Sunday. So make a note of that. Uh, our being here is not a statement of how much we believe. Our being here is a statement of how much God loves us. And he loves us so much. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you. May the Lord give you strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God